You're listening to Two Brain Radio. We make gyms profitable, getting you on track to making every day your perfect day. Every week, we'll deliver top-shelf business tactics to help improve your gym, advance your fitness career, and move you closer to wealth. Get ready to start building your bigger and better business with your coach, best-selling fitness author of Two Brain Business, Grow Your Gym, and Health First, Chris Cooper. Everybody hates their insurance company until they need their insurance company. My insurance recommendation is Von Vernon of Affiliate Guard. Before I get into this story, I want to make it clear here that I don't get any kickback for recommending Vaughn. But I've done it so many times. Whenever anybody online asks a question about insurance companies, I always say Affiliate Guard. Here's why. Years ago, when we affiliated with CrossFit, my insurance company dumped me. Uh, citing quote-unquote tractor pulls that we were going to be doing, whatever the hell that is. I've never pulled a tractor in my life. Um, I've driven lots of tractors, and I can tell you I don't think I could pull one if I wanted to, but that's besides the point. At that time, the person who swooped in and saved CrossFit gyms in Canada was Joanne Legal. And if you're in Canada, I recommend talking to her, period. You don't have to talk to her first. You don't have to talk to her last. Just talk to her, period. If you're in the States, though, I recommend Affiliate Guard because the program that I get through Joanne in Canada is really, really awesome and all-inclusive. Joanne's personality, though, is what keeps me with their company. In the States, Affiliate Guard is run by Von Vernon, a massive personality, a CrossFitter, a jiu-jitsu guy. He drives dirt bikes. He has good-looking kids, all that stuff, and his policy is the best. It's really, really tough to tell when you're reading your policy if the benefits are the same as someone else's because they obscure stuff on purpose. It's just like taxes. However, when I'm looking at my policy, I ask myself, will that guy get up in the middle of the night and help me out? This weekend was a great example of Vaughn's personality. One of my friends and clients down in Florida had their garage door smashed open by a Mustang that was doing donuts in the parking lot. And they texted me at 6 a.m. on a Sunday, and I wanted to help, so I texted Vaughn. He's two hours behind me, and he responded right away. Your insurance company is not going to do that. As I said at the start of this, everybody hates their insurance company until they need insurance. And when you do need insurance, you want them to answer the damn phone on a Sunday morning. And you want to talk to the head man, and you just want to know everything's going to be okay. With Affiliate Guard, it is. After many years of mentoring entrepreneurs and many, many years of being an entrepreneur myself, I now see more clearly the maturation process that happens when somebody starts a business and grows the business and eventually, hopefully, reaches a point of success. Problems don't end when the cash flow crisis is over. When you get out of a state of triage and into a position of success and profit, that doesn't mean that life gets easy. I now break down entrepreneurship into four distinct stages. These stages are called the founder stage, the farmer stage, the tinker stage, and the thief stage. I'll give a quick overview, but most of this episode is going to be dedicated to what to do in the tinker phase, what to do when your primary first business is a success, and you're not sure if you want to duplicate that business over and over and use it as a mold or if you want to start a brand new business, start from scratch, or if you just want to diversify your assets and retire, or maybe even you want to take a small step to the right with your business and shift your niche or shift your focus or add another product. First, the founder phase is when we jump off this cliff, we take the big leap into entrepreneurship. 
This leap isn't as big as it used to be. It used to be that you had to quit your job to start a new company. You had to take on massive risk in the form of commitments to debt, like uh, leasing a brick and mortar space, for example, paying out thousands of dollars for your website or your marketing or to get into the yellow pages, putting your sign up. And on day one, you'd be open to maybe this cavernous, empty gym, empty store, empty office. I was certainly in this boat. Now, entrepreneurship can take many different forms. And in the podcast episode with Ari Mizell, we talked a lot about how people can build these kind of side hustles, these small enterprises on the side, how you can actually make a great living and a great career by having maybe three or four different jobs. You can drive an Uber at night. You can uh, run a podcast. You can do some editing all from your own home, whatever. The real founder stage, though, is more characterized by your feelings, how much cash flow you have, what kind of work that you're doing, and what challenges you're facing. So in this first stage of entrepreneurship, your primary focus is innovation. You've got a great idea, or you've got a way to do something better than it's ever been done before. Or you can bring a service to a market like CrossFit that hasn't seen it before. You're basically establishing a new niche. Your goal in the founder phase is what I call break-even plus, which is basically you need to eat. So when I opened up Catalyst in 2005, I knew on the first week that I would need to make a paycheck. Whether the business was running a profit or not, my family had to eat. So I needed to reach this point of break-even plus, which is just basically that you're getting a paycheck every Friday, even if long-term sustainability isn't quite there yet. The time that you're investing in the founder phase is usually about 60 to 70 hours a week because the value of your time is still low. You can't afford to pay somebody else to vacuum for you yet. So you're doing all the roles. You're working in the business. You're delivering your core service yourself. You're doing the personal training. You're running the CrossFit groups. You're sewing the clothes. You're polishing the shoes. You're vacuuming the floor. You're doing all of it. The challenges that you're facing in this founder phase is establishing your niche, figuring out who your key clients are, figuring out over whom you have a monopoly, figuring out your pricing, figuring out exactly what your service is. Is it exactly what other people are offering in different cities around the world? Or does it have to be changed because your city is different? The challenges are also fear. You're quitting your job. You're jumping out. You're, you're taking your life in your own hands and usually the lives of your family with it. Finance, you have to figure out like what it actually costs to run a business and how you can pay yourself. Cash flow is a massive challenge at the founder phase because you don't have any. So you have to figure out where can I be slow with my bills or how can I leverage the cash that I have optimally? What kind of debt will I need to start this company? Sales, you probably don't have any clients yet. So you have to figure out where my clients are or how can I grow my client base from these first few seed clients into a profitable level of clientele. You have to find a site. You have to figure out who your next staff is going to be. And we mentor a lot of founders in the gym industry in our incubator program. The downside of this, or I guess the scary part of the founder stage is that a lot of people in the gym industry reach year three or year five, and they're still struggling with these problems that should have been resolved on day one, or a plan should have at least been put into place with resolution coming as early as a year in. Now, it's okay for me to say this because that was me. Five years into the business, I just kept re-entering the founder stage. I would try new stuff and I would never measure whether it was actually working. I added a second location when I was making it at basically break even plus on my first location. You know, it was paying for itself. I was making a wage, but I wasn't killing it. 
I didn't have any duplicatable systems, but I opened my second gym anyway, because I was really, really excited about CrossFit. So I was back in the founder stage again, and now I was working 60, 70, 80 hours, sometimes 90 hours a week, doing every single role myself, cleaning the floors, doing the programming, training the clients, baking the donuts. I had all those challenges that we find in the founder stage. So why in the gym industry do so many owners stay in the founder stage for three years, five years, sometimes even 10? Because there's no structure and the barrier to entry is so low that anybody can start a gym, but very few people can keep a gym. They stay in this founder stage. They wind up getting burned out because it's not sustainable. And the reason is that they're not solving the problems that will let them move to the next stage. We solve these problems for you in the incubator program. The second phase of entrepreneurship is what I call the farmer stage. At this point, you've got some basic systems down. The business is starting to run itself. You're not working in every role. Where the founder stage's big keyword was innovation, the farmer stage's keyword is cultivation. Now the crops are planted and we're going to keep harvesting them and, and figure out what the cycles of crop rotation are going to be. I don't want to go too deep into the farmer analogy here yet. Your goal in the farmer stage is to get to what we call profit first, which is a sustainable business with a 33% profit margin. That's gross profit margin, so it includes your pay, but that should be predictable. It should be reliable. You shouldn't have to worry about getting paid every month. Your time is decreasing in the farmer stage to below 40 hours a week. So now you've still kind of bought yourself a job, but the job is owner, not practitioner. So here's an example in the CrossFit world. Many coaches buy themselves a job by opening up a gym. But the problem is, as soon as they open a gym, their job changes from coach to business owner. It's facile. It's not exactly what you think it's going to be. So in the farmer stage, your job actually changes to owner instead of practitioner with a business wrapped around you. The roles that you're doing are higher and higher value. So in our incubator program, we teach entrepreneurs how to move to these higher value roles by first replacing themselves at the lowest value roles, the cheapest roles where you can replace yourself. For example, a cleaner. Maybe you can hire a cleaner for $15 an hour and they're going to work five, six hours a week. And now we've bought you that time for $90 a week to work on higher value roles like sales, maybe like marketing, like management of staff or staff training. In the farmer stage, your job is basically to move to those higher value roles. Your challenges are replacing yourself so the 6 a.m. class isn't always saying, hey, where's Chris? You know, when another coach takes over, it's retention, reducing client churn, because with more clients coming in, it's super important to keep them instead of always focusing on new clients, new clients, new clients. Another challenge is building careers for your staff. How does that happen? And there's a little bit of risk here, of course, too. And then finally, marketing. Marketing changes in the farmer role from mostly people you know to mostly people you don't. So you have to develop new strategies, new tactics, and become educated in those different levels. It's really important, though, that in the farmer stage, when you're recruiting new clients that you've never met before, with whom you have maybe one degree of separation, that you've already been through the founder stage, that you're not struggling for money, that your processes are in place, so that these new clients don't just slip through your fingers. And this is exactly why... Every entrepreneur goes through our incubator first before we work on marketing because we don't want to start pumping clients into an empty leaky bucket. At this stage, mentorship takes a slightly different role too. In the founder stage, mentorship is extremely intensive 
in our incubator, you're talking to a mentor every single week for six to eight weeks while you're getting traction, building your systems, customizing our templates to yourself, and basically overcoming the personal problems that your gym has that no one else does. In the farmer stage, though, you need slightly less mentoring and the focus is on more accountability. So at this point, you might be talking with a mentor maybe once a month, working backward from your annual goals, diversifying your revenue streams, making sure that you're filtering down to a smaller number of long-term dedicated staff, and you're also getting peer support. Because the challenges in the farmer stage also require a heavy emotional toll. You're going from maybe 12 part-time staff to maybe four full-time staff. You're focusing on higher value clients, which means that lower value clients might not find themselves a home anymore. You're having difficult conversations that will improve your business. You're growing up, you're maturing as an entrepreneur. And so you need not just the support of your mentor and teacher, but also of your peers. You need to know that other people have done this too. The third phase of entrepreneurship is what I call the tinker phase. And the focus here is really optimization of what you have. So looking at your primary key business, your, your main business as an entrepreneur, you're trying to say, how can I turn this into a cash flow asset? How can I reach that perfect day point where I get to choose how I spend my time? We're lucky in the fitness industry. Many of us, if you remove the money problems, would choose to spend our day coaching all day. If we won the lottery, we would show up at the gym and coach the next day. Others of us would show up at the gym and just be a participant. But the key here is that we have the choice. And so in the tinker phase, we're reaching that point, if we haven't reached it already, of having that choice. We don't need to show up at the gym today. We don't need to figure out replacements if we're going to be gone for two weeks. The gym operates autonomously and it still pays us. So now we're building cash flow assets. Maybe we're buying a building. Maybe we're starting a second company. Maybe we're adding another layer onto this company. Maybe we're duplicating what we have already. Our time spent in the business is approaching zero. And that's mandatory time, of course. We can spend as much time as we want to there. The roles, we're really moving to meta roles here. So now instead of figuring out like the 12 roles that are present in every single gym, personal trainer, uh, CrossFit coach, dietitian, uh, joy girl, marketing, sales. We're really moving to three major roles that will oversee all of the others. And so finally, we're talking about adding a layer of management here. This really means that you're moving from a small business to a medium-sized business. And this is usually a scary step. In the entrepreneur world outside of CrossFit, this step is usually characterized by uh, the growth from about 2 million in gross revenue to about 5 million in gross revenue. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs call this the valley of death because the owner's job is no longer to be on the front line baking the bread anymore. In fact, the business can't afford the owner to be spending time baking the bread anymore. It means hiring these meta roles. It means bringing in experts from outside the company probably for the first time instead of just continuously pro promoting from within because now you need skill sets that you haven't grown within your company yet. And it also means that you need skill sets that you haven't developed in yourself as a founder yet. That's why a lot of companies, when they reach this stage, you know, two to five million gross, the valley of death, they'll sell because the entrepreneur has doubts about their own abilities to carry their company to this next stage. It's scary. And this is where you start hearing things like imposter syndrome. You know, I know a lot about my service. I'm the best coach in town. I can do that and I can grow my company as long as I'm on the front lines. But when I reach this certain point, this tinker stage, 
this valley of death, I don't know how to grow the company anymore. I'm not a business guy. I'm not a manager. I don't have the skills, experience, you know, failures, education to do this at this stage. All I know how to do is bake really good bread. And so a lot of founders will actually sell out in the tinker stage. So what do you need to grow? In the gym industry, I don't think that valley of death happens between two and five million. I think it probably starts around three quarters of a million and lasts until about the $3 million mark. Owning a gym that generates $750,000 a year is definitely possible. There are gyms in Two Brain who are doing it. It's possible to do it while you're coaching on the floor. That's fine. It's possible to do it while you're selling your own programming. That's fine. It's possible to do that on CrossFit group memberships plus personal training plus retail. You can do it. However, emerging at the other side of that, having a $3 million a year gym is a completely different gym that requires big roles. It requires people who have specialization and skill sets that you don't have. It means that you have to work with people who are better than you at their job. And that is really, really key. One of my first mentors ever, who was really just my boss, said, I'm not scared to work with powerful people. And what he really meant there was he could hire somebody who was better at sales than he was because he was a great generalist. He was a great connector. He could hire people who were better at tuning skis, he owned a resort, than he was because he didn't need to be that specialist. His job was to create the vision for the resort and, and move it forward that way and inspire everybody else and connect the guy who could tune really good skis with the girl who could teach really great snowboarding, with the mechanic who could fix the lift, with the sales team. The meta roles that you need to develop in the tinker stage are really three. And these were laid out really well, I thought, in Gino Wickman's book, Get a Grip, which is really, really a great book if you're in that tinker stage now of $750,000 a year in the gym industry to about $3 million. These three meta roles are finance. You need a CFO, not just an accountant. You need somebody to tell you where your money is going to be, not just where it has been. You need somebody that's in charge of operations. So you need consistent delivery of your service and you need somebody else looking over that. Instead of you peering over the coach's shoulders and saying, hey, you know, you should have started the class better. You know, instead of meddling, in other words, you need somebody who's going to take the operations and make sure that they're consistent for you. And that third role is what we would call sales marketing. That might actually be two seats. But in this point, somebody is responsible for generating new revenue. The skills that you need in the tinker phase are different. If you're in the fitness industry, you've got a huge head start here because one of the skills you need to get through this valley of death is fitness. You have to be in good shape or you're not going to make it. This is an endurance battle. A lot of people are going to drop out of the race at this point. So you need to be fit enough to manage stress. You need to be fit enough to not get sick. You need to be fit enough to basically uh, be confident. You need to have an outlet where you're doing strength work. If you're a fitness coach and you're listening to this podcast, you already know all the benefits of fitness when you're leading a company, but 99% of the entrepreneurial world doesn't. So what happens is these entrepreneurs get into this tinker phase. They enter the most stressful period of their business and they don't have the resilience training. They don't have uh, the physical capacity to work long hours without getting run down and sick or burnt out. They don't have an outlet to deal with stress. They don't have any kind of background in, in grit. They don't know how to take small gains and work backward from big goals and work on that. 
So the, the first asset that you need to develop in the tinker phase is your fitness. The second asset that you need to develop is cognition. You need to be remarkably good with memory. You need to be able to connect individual pieces of data very quickly and very effectively. You need to be able to empathize really, really well. These are all cognitive skills and they're all trainable. The third piece that you need to understand in the, in the tinker phase is mindset. And this is different from cognition. And it's also well-developed by fitness. So there's kind of a trifecta here. If you're going to survive this valley of death, you need to have solid fitness. You need cognitive training. You can't get by without it anymore. And you need some mindset training too. And we're working on a program that will help entrepreneurs do this. But if you're an entrepreneur who doesn't own a gym and you're listening to this podcast and you think, oh my goodness, how am I going to do these? The best thing that you can do is find a CrossFit gym today. Just start there. To get through the tinker phase and into the thief phase, you're also going to need a different level of mentorship. You're going to need mentorship from somebody who has survived this valley of death already. This is why I have a mentor. This is why my mentor costs about $52,000 a year because he has survived this very painful stage. Um, you need the support of peers who are also in this stage. So for example, when you're starting out as an entrepreneur, you're going to get a lot of advice. You're going to get a lot of free advice. Most of that advice is going to be bad, but it doesn't cost you anything. In the tinker stage, though, you need advice from people with skin in the game, and that makes things very expensive, but very worth it. Luckily, by the time you reach this stage, you've probably already had a mentor and you know the ROI on mentorship is, you know, a thousandfold. And not just in some random sense. If you actually tracked your growth pre and post mentor, you would find that there's the biggest ROI you can get in business comes from mentorship. I mean, just in the incubator program, which is mostly associated with systemizing your business and getting you toward perfect day, it's not, we do work on some revenue and profit generation, of course, but the average ROI after six months on our incubator is 26 times the initial investment. That means a gym that was only making, you know, a little bit every month is earning or has earned 26 times that back after six months of going through the incubator. When you get to the tinker phase, though, that number is even bigger. So really, without a mentor in the tinker phase, most people, again, give up. They'll do one of two things. They'll sell their company to somebody else who's already made it through this phase and knows how to grow a company or somebody with a lot more money that can afford to screw up as they're you know, going through the valley of death, or they'll just stay the same. They'll put an artificial cap on themselves. They'll say, I just want to stay small stay between two and $5 million a year. That's it. I'm just going to limit myself. Now, as physical trainers, we know what happens when somebody says, I'm going to just maintain, right? Systems that, that aren't put under pressure tend to just wither up and die. You, you need some kind of stress. You need a vision. You need growth to inspire your team and keep yourself working. If you're just managing your business, your business will eventually go into decline. That's enough on the theory of the tinker phase. What are we going to do about it? Well, if you're an entrepreneur who's in that phase, your business is running pretty comfortably. You've got a 33% profit margin. You're approaching this state where you don't have to go into work in the morning if you don't want to. Now you've got a lot of choices open to you. And so the mentorship that happens at this stage is a bit different. Instead of saying, how can you fix this problem? Or how can you triage this thing right now to survive even? 
you're saying, what's the best option for me right now? I've got these four amazing ideas. Which one do I do now? Which one do I do next quarter? Which one do I maybe do never? If you're in a good mentorship program, you're also meeting other people at this stage and you're asking yourself, has this other person already solved my problem? How can partnership with them solve this problem a lot easier? What partnership can I form that will grow both of our companies? What idea do I have that's actually easiest to implement? And so the rest of this episode is going to be dedicated to figuring out what's the best opportunity for you and what the first action steps are to take. If you're in the tinker phase right now, you have four priorities in this order. The first is what we call the asset priority. You want to make sure that your current business or businesses are true cash flow assets. That means that they run themselves almost entirely autonomously. That means you don't have to go there. You don't have to respond to calls for help. You might not even have an email address in the business anymore. The business runs itself, but still pays you. It's not a charity organization. That's really important because the biggest real asset that you have, like in real time, is your time. So we want to free up that time so that you can use it to build other things. And if you're constantly being pulled into the day-to-day of your business, that's not going to happen. Let's say that you have an idea to build a new software platform for CrossFit gyms. Great. We need that. But if you're constantly answering calls to go and coach the 6 a.m. class, if you're the one who gets called when somebody wants to cancel their membership, if you have to run the big event on Saturday, you're not going to build the software. And that's because these little distractions take you out of the flow state that's necessary to build the next level or the next tier. So the first priority you have in the tinker phase is to create real cash flow assets out of your business. And before we let people get onto their next project, we make them test. We have them take a week or even two weeks away from their business without a phone, without email access, let the thing run itself and find out where the cracks are. Then we patch up those cracks and we test again because too many people are way too quick to walk away from a business that's just kind of staggering along on its own and they either get pulled back into that business or they lose interest entirely, abandon ship while they work on this big new thing and now they've lost all their stability. So in this phase, it's important that you keep what rock climbers would call three points of contact. Before your right hand reaches up for the next stone, you make sure that your left foot, right foot, and left hand are all firmly planted and set with safe grips. That means you want your businesses to be running completely autonomously on the systems that you've built and you've tested to make sure. The second stage of the tinker phase, the second level, is what we call leverage. And so leverage means how can we best use your time or where do you already have influence? Where do you maybe have monopoly. So we want to say, is it easier to start a brand new business like a coffee bar across town from your gym, or would it be easier to take the niche in the market that you already know and start a new business that serves them? This is going to be closely related to the fourth stage, but for right now, it's important to understand that leaving a niche is very, very hard to do. You're going to be swimming upstream against the current with other fish who have never heard of you. So leverage is a close examination of who your audience is, who your niche is, who your best clients are, and what else they need. Then building your next project around them. Leverage can also mean service. 
And so if you're planning to retire at age 45, you're not just going to sit on the couch and watch Jeopardy. You're an entrepreneur. You've made it this far. Your brain has changed to the point where it needs constant challenge and service might be that challenge. So maybe you can leverage funds to help kids sports programs. Maybe you can leverage your time to help kids sports programs. Maybe you can leverage your time to mentor other business owners in your area. That's what my first mentor did for me. And that's what we do now at the Two Brain Workshop. Maybe your time is best leveraged doing something completely different, or maybe it's best leveraged shutting down for a while. Maybe your funds are best leveraged by starting a new business, or maybe your funds are best leveraged by buying a building. These are the decisions that you have to make second after your business, your primary business becomes a cash flow asset. The third tier of decision-making here is what we call low-hanging fruit. Instead of saying, what is the biggest long-term payoff or how can I go for the brass ring? We want to say, what is the easiest new thing to do? So the easiest new thing to do might not be, I'm going to go build this software platform for CrossFit gyms. It might actually be, I'm going to partner with a current software platform and just add in my programming. It might be, I'm going to create a better spreadsheet and I'm going to share that with another CrossFit gym and see if it helps them. It might be, I'm going to add on a dietitian practice to my current gym. The point here is that we're doing the easy things first and gaining steam and gaining momentum that way, solidifying our base, diversifying our assets before we go and risk it all on one big gamble. It's very tough, for example, to go from a CrossFit gym that's grossing five hundred to $700,000 a year to building a software product that's going to cost you $2.5 million to build. You don't have a broad enough base to support you if anything goes wrong on that project. If that project takes an extra six months to build, you're going to have to come up with another half million dollars in cash. How are you going to do that if your CrossFit gym suddenly loses 30 clients? One will sabotage the other. So we need to make sure that we're taking very small steps at a time here, looking for the easiest fruit, diversifying our asset base, and also making measurable gains. Just like in the gym, when you want people constantly moving up in tiny, tiny increments so that they're fulfilling you know, their brain's need for progress, as an entrepreneur, you want to take a bunch of small wins instead of shooting straight for the top. You don't go from 10 to 100, you go from 10 to 11. The fourth tier in the tinker phase is asking, what do my best clients want? And offering to serve them more. So just like in the founder phase, when you're identifying your C clients and saying, what do these people want? What should my service actually be? At this stage in the tinker phase, you want to say, how else can I serve my clients? And what you'll find is that in the tinker phase, this, this service is really foremost. You care enough about your clients to offer to solve other problems for them. So if your clients, for example, uh, they come in the gym and they have a weight problem and you're resolving that issue for them, but they also have a stress problem at work, how can you help them with that stress problem at work? Well, they don't have enough cash flow. They don't know how to do marketing. They're printing flyers and leaving business cards at the hairdressers. You can help them by running a session on Facebook marketing for them, for example. So the, the fourth tier in the tinker phase is really asking yourself, how else can I serve these clients? And what you'll find in all four phases of entrepreneurship is that's the central question. Who are my clients and what do they want? And, and building all of your business services around those. There are a cadre within TwoBrain 
of gym owners who are in this tinker phase. They're grossing well over a half million a year, over $750,000 a year. They've got systems or at least 90% of the systems in place where they don't have to go to the gym if they don't want to. They might choose to, but they're asking themselves, what's next for me? How do I turn this into a legacy business for my kids? Uh, how am I going to retire from this? You know, do I have a succession plan in place? How will I fund my retirement? Do I buy assets? Or how do I capitalize on this next big idea? Now that I'm not coaching the 6am class anymore, I find myself wanting to write a book. Or I find myself with a great idea for a new supplement company. Or I think I could really do the software game a lot better than what's currently being done. When they get into this stage, we have a different tier of, of mentorship that we don't really talk about in public, but you can find out more by emailing chris at twobrainbusiness.com. How do you know which stage you're in? Well, you can go to twobrainbusiness.com forward slash podcast, and you can ask me a question by recording your voice. You can take our online quiz. If you go to twobrainbusiness.com, you'll see the pop-up there saying, hey, complete the affiliate owner's quiz, see where you're at, book a free call with me, and we can figure it out from there. Our top question from twobrainbusiness.com forward slash podcast this week was, what do I do with my time if I've already reached perfect day? And this episode was really dedicated to that because I've got a brand new book coming out very soon. And I want to give people a little bit of perspective on what we actually do at Two Brain. We see a lot of gym owners in crisis, and I'm very glad that it's us they turn to when they really need help. When the free advice on Facebook or YouTube is just not cutting it anymore, they come to us and say, help me fix this. And I'm very proud that they do that. But there are also dozens of gyms within Two Brain who are doing extremely well. And these people serve as a great example for the others, but they don't get talked a lot about much. So I want to highlight them. I want to talk more about the gyms now who are really killing it because just as it's important for CrossFitters to see the guy deadlifting 600 and running a sub six minute mile, it's really important for CrossFit gym owners to see the millionaire box owners, to see the guys with multiple locations who aren't working in the day to day, who've got it all kind of dialed in. These people are not islands. They have things in common. They have systems in place and a few dozen of them have been in the incubator program and that's helped them get there. So we're going to be highlighting them. But for those who have the question, what do I do with my time and money? This episode was for you. And if you want to know more about the secret tinker level program that we, that we do, uh, you can email chris at twobrainbusiness.com. Thank you for listening.